0: This is Dream Loudly, a show that fights for dreams, stands against the culture and demonstrates the logic of impossible innovations. Steve Jobs never had an iPhone till he made it. I am in no lane. That's my innovation. This show gives you as a basketball player, trainer, parent or coach the resources to boldly attack this game and to dream loudly. Welcome back to Dream Loudly and I'm Possible Original Show. We are your hosts Michael Lancaster and Bryce Stanhope and today we're going to be talking about the mid-range game it's always been a topic that you know I think people have been debating about for a while we're going to take a little bit of a different spin at it but before we jump into this let me just remind you that Any reviews that you can leave about this podcast, anytime you can like and subscribe to the YouTube or the podcast itself always helps us. So go ahead and do that right now. Hit that pause button if you need to, take care of that, and then jump back into this conversation. But as we jump into the mid-range right now, I want to start off with what just happened in the NCAA tournament, Final Four. You have Caitlin Clark in the paint, waving at a, a South Carolina player, Disrespectfully, yep. You know, trash talk. Yep. But they're sitting outside at the three-point line and nothing happens. They won't yep. shoot it. And then it ends up turning you know, into a turnover. Yep. I could think of the exact same way the Golden State Warriors recently guarded Russell Westbrook, where they just sag off. He's by himself sitting at the three-point line and doesn't do anything with it. The exact same way teams have done to Ben Simmons of just not guarding him at all. And to me, the biggest issue here is not that they're not shooting the three-pointer. It's that those don't become easy mid-range baskets. Yeah, absolutely. That's the main flaw that's happening here. When I played, when you played, mm-hmm. that was the time when that shot.
1: Yeah, just easy pull it.
0: That, that, that was the golden shot everyone was looking for. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> if, that, if that elbow is wide open, you dribble into it, you take that shot
1: all day long. And I, and I, don't, I don't remember a time growing up where I ever had a coach tell me, don't take a mid-range. It was actually really encouraged at that time where it was like, just take one dribble in and pull up. It's an easy shot.
0: You, you, we, we sought it out. It yeah. was the treasured shot. Yep. And so a lot of times it was don't settle for the three yeah. if you can get a mid-range. And so obviously I understand you know, where an- analytics have gone. And mm-hmm. I understand the value of the three-pointer is more valuable than we thought back then. I, I get it. I'm with it. But what I'm not with is that somehow it's become this. Where And I'm not saying this is Dawn Staley's coaching. I don't know what her stance on the mid-range is, none of that. I'm not around the team. But here you have a player who, I don't care if you don't shoot the three-pointer, the, three the mid-range is there. Has, yeah. And they won't step in and take it as if it's some kind of not valuable look. Yeah. Russell Westbrook has the ability to shoot the mid-range. His three-pointer has been suspect and, and basically on and off. But his mid-range is there. But yet, somehow, he's not stepping in and taking the Mm mid-range. Something's wrong. And so what I wanted to go into is the value of the mid-range, not only for those reasons, but also for the game. So let's start with just the overall value of the mid-range. Where do you see it?
1: For me, it's just the fact that, I mean, it's going back on the kind of scoring on all three levels being able to obviously get to the basket, shoot the three when I need to stretch the floor. But then it's also on the side, and there's been some great talks about this lately, is like it keeps defense more honest. It's actually pretty easy to guard somebody if I know all you're going to shoot is threes and you're going to shoot layups. So like I can kind of just play off one or the two, and especially if I have a good big, I can just kind of let you have the lane. So it's like it makes defense really easy, and I think this is sometimes you can even go to Steph on this. Like he's statistically been one of the highest mid-range shooters in the NBA, now it's a different type of mid-range. It's a pump fake of three, step in and just knock it down. But that's what even keeps him on – I score on all three levels, so you have to respect both sides of it. Um, and that's where I see the issue has become is, like, when you're only doing one out of the two or two out of the three, like, your game is kind of easy to guard.
0: It's hard to think about scorers at the highest level who don't score all yeah. three ways. It's really it's, – it's hard to think about it. Even Clay – shoots the mid-range. Like, even players who you typically would think of just being a three-point shooter shoot the mid-range. James Harden might be one of the only examples I have of someone who I don't really see as a mid-range player. Yeah,
1: if it's a mid-range, it's more of like a slight step back and shoot. Yeah,
0: he's either shooting the three or going to the basket, and he's been able to learn how to do that well and draw fouls and all Mm -hmm. kinds of different, you know, strategies to that nature. But here's the thing on this. When... You, you said it. it's really easy to guard you. It's unbelievably easy to guard you. If yeah. I beat you and I pass the three-point line and you know... You know where I'm going. ...that I can't shoot the mid-range, mm-hmm. I'm screwed, especially at yeah. my size. Yep. You're going to run right to the rim and, I, and, and I'm not going to even be able to make yeah. a play. My ability to shoot the mid-range is the only way I'm able to be a weapon on the floor. If I can make you pay there and you can't just run past me and beat me to a spot... Now I have the ability to make plays, not only for myself, but for others. The fact that coaches think that players can figure out how to be a threat, all players figure out how to be a threat without the mid-range, is just not logical. I don't, I don't
1: really understand where they even come from with that. Well, that's what I was noticing last night during the, the men's championship game. It was this very awkward game of what felt like San Diego State trying to overpower a team that's just physically bigger than you so they were a lot of times catching the ball in that 15 foot range facing up but nobody wanted to shoot it and like they're just trying to back this guy down when he was giving you a 15 foot shot but it's like it's like they're unaware that they're allowed to shoot that so it's like like they just look all so confused when they get to that 15 foot mark on on what to kind of do at times
0: yeah when a player feels limited like that it's almost like you don't know how to play basketball it's like
1: i want to shoot this but i I don't like what do i do so where do i go and so
0: we always talk about it with players you know if you can become the guy who's allowed to shoot the mid-range now you've become a guy who can really grow you can become a guy who can become a star all or i should say the majority of stars can score like we said at all three levels. So if you're a person who's expected to be a three and D player, how do you ever become the star when you're not allowed to take the mid range? It's nearly impossible. Yeah, we see that a lot. So you have to just start taking the mid range in order to be get to that level. And coaches, I, I think in at that, you know, with that in mind, they understand that. But it's almost as if they're not going to let anyone shoot the mid-range until that person steps out and just starts doing it against your wishes and proves you wrong, and then you become an outlier. So the outliers are allowed to shoot it, and that's it. But when we train it, like what I would want coaches to understand here, it's not just about shooting the shot itself. Let's say the analytics are right and that you should just just not take that shot very often, even though it's going to make a player extremely easy to guard. If you don't train the mid-range you lose all kinds of value. And I think that's the biggest problem. At that game, the South Carolina game, my guess is that girl hasn't practiced the mid-range a lot. No. Because it's not encouraged. So your confidence isn't at a high level in order to take that shot. So that would be one advantage in the cases that they would guard you like that of actually practicing the mid-range. But even if you're not using that that shot in the game, all the attributes that you get out of training the mid-range – are huge for the game of basketball. The first one that I would say is it's a it's the best place to work on your stops. Yeah, Your ability to come to a one-two speed stop and pull up will have so much impact on your game and other areas. Whether or not you stop and go, stop and change directions, you're building up your feet and building up your hips. And one of the best ways to do that is by working on the mid-range. So even if you're not going to use the shot in the game coaches, if you'll just train it for your players, you're going to build their feet. You're going to build up other characteristics of the game of basketball. And maybe, just maybe, when you have someone guard you like that, they'll still be able to make the shot in the game.
1: The second one I would add on to that would be just the sheer athleticism of it. I think it's the part that people don't really understand about mid-range is you typically have to really try to elevate to create the right kind of arc angle and all that stuff that gets into the shooting side. We can talk about that in a different spot. But the pure athleticism of, like you said, stopping quickly, and then working on jumping quickly, it builds that sense of athleticism. That again, that goes into my finishing era. I tell my players all the time: like, if you actually want to help build your vertical, work on your mid-range. Focus on the stopping. How fast can you stop? How fast and how high can you jump? That again, it trickles in. I-, I love talking about this all the time, is like skills feed other skills. Just because I'm working on my mid-range, that doesn't mean it doesn't help my three. That doesn't mean it doesn't help my finishing at the basket. They all feed off each other. It's all building touch and athleticism.
0: And that's huge. Skills build skills, that's, they're all connected. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we obviously have that built into our curriculum, which is why we have a checklist approach. What that gives you the ability to do now is jump better for your finishes, stop better whenever you need to. It just goes, goes ahead and just builds all those traits that you need yeah. as a basketball player to be more explosive, to be more balanced and just simply be an overall better player. When you have a player drive into the basket and their only option is either to do a layup or come to a jump stop, you're not building the stop ability. You're weakening your players' hips. You're weakening their ankles. They don't have the ability to come to those quick stops. And and now they're just limited basketball players. Yeah. And so regardless of what your viewpoints are, you have to train this. And I, I think back to Oladipo quite a bit on this because... We mainly trained the mid-range for the whole first part of our first summer together. And it also carried into his three-point shot. Yeah. Because in the mid-range, you can make sure that you don't have a bunch of flaws. That's why people have been able to, you know, start close, move move back, move back, move back. Well, why do you always have players start close? Because you can really focus on the form. You can focus on your technique. And so the mid-range is a great place to do that. And then when you go back to the three-point shot, you just want to be able to keep those things in line. And so the mid-range is also a great, great place to develop your touch as a shooter. Yeah, and so growth. we can talk about just the overall shooting mechanics that you gain out of that, the stopping ability that you gain out of that, the the balance, the qualities. I mean, there's so much there. And so if we'll just train it and let the players occasionally use it, then you're going to get something out of it. But not ever training it because it's against the analytics is what's causing the biggest problem.
1: I think one of the things that's crazy to me is just it keeps coming back in my mind is like, and you see game winners of all types. You see threes, you see. But how often do we see a mid-range game winner? It happens a lot. Even, even just go back to this tournament. San Diego State, end of the game against FAU, hits a wide open, pretty much mid-range. Like, yeah, the guy has his hand up, but he created his space, speed stop, pull up. Why wait until that moment of the game to go, here's my mid-range? When you could have had that pretty much all game long. And that, that affects the whole defense. Like when the whole defense has to kind of like bow down to you pulling up at that 10 to 15 foot mark, your whole team becomes harder to guard. Help sides gotta now really come in. Everybody's gotta play a different part defensively. And it's just like people are passing up so many shots in that mid-range. But in the in the NBA, we are starting to see like the Phoenix Suns shoot a lot of mid-range. That's usually how they seal games. That last five minutes is Look. nothing but Chris Paul, Booker. Mid ranges.
0: In that mid range for San Diego State to win it, that's an easier shot than some of these layups that oh, they're 100%. forced to take. That's an Seven easier shot. Seven-foot
1: athletes blocking shots down there.
0: That's an easier shot than a floater. Yep. If you're great at that pull up, and so it, it just, they get put in this bucket that if it's closer to the basket, it's somehow it's allowed. Better. Yeah. Even though it's a harder shot. Yep. And so, but, but what really the main thing is, there's so many players who are disqualified from being great players because they're not allowed to be them. And so we could talk about Evan Turner, who if he was allowed to continue taking the mid-range, would have been been a completely different player. And with the Sixers, he shot it, and then slowly he had to start trying to become this three-point shooter that just wasn't him. And he just needed to keep the mid-range in his game. So I'm sure there's all kinds of casualties in today's game of players who would be phenomenal if they just would shoot the mid-range.
1: And I I was actually just on the phone with an NBA player before we – uh, film this where I was just talking about that is like, it's hard to be somebody who you're not like, yes, my coach is going to want me to fill a certain role, but if it's not who I am as a person, it's really hard. Like Evan Turner is just such a great example. Like that, that guy had one of the best mid range handles, nice at finishing at the basket. Everybody tried to make him a set three point shooter. And even though like in practice, he would hit 20 in a row with us all the time. Mentally, he just, that's just not who he was. It's not the part of the game he loved and enjoyed, mid-range and stuff. He was he was unstoppable.
0: Playmakers like the mid-range. Yeah. You can stop and pop, you can change directions, you can find people. If you take that away from a playmaker, it's hard to make plays because it forces you to be too predictable. You're either shooting the 3 or you're going to the basket. It's too easy to guard. So therefore, it's too hard to make the plays instinctively yeah. that you'd want to make. So coaches, please, even if you're all about the analytics, don't have a South Carolina type play. Make sure your players have confidence to take the mid-range, and you can do that through training. And, and the bonus of that, along the way, they're going to get key characteristics and key skills that are going to help other parts of their game. So don't lose sight of that, and make sure the mid-range becomes a part of your training sessions. That's all the time we have for today. Stay locked in to Dream Loudly. One episode every week, every Wednesday, we'll continue to talk about these topics.